Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome to the post Super Bowl Tracy Sandler Show on Believe, brought to you by FIVO. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and am very excited to be joined today by ESPN Stefania Bell. She is the injury analyst extraordinaire. She covers the NFL. She's also a 49ers fan. Uh, Stefania, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Tracy. Absolutely. I was uh, excited to talk with you post-Super Bowl, talk a little Niners looking into 2022. So let's start with, of course, the big game that took place on Sunday. Uh, The Rams, of course, Super Bowl champions in the NFC West. Uh, I say that. I know. I know that. Well, I think we have differing opinions on this, which I'm going to talk about in a second. But it's interesting because I say the NFC West because obviously that we talk a lot of 49ers on this podcast. And so now the 49ers are going to have the Super Bowl champions in their division. I still think they somewhat own the Rams, but they don't entirely own the Rams. They got a new quarterback. It's going to make for a very interesting 2022 season. But so you say, boo, I tend to have a feeling. I mean, I was rooting for the Bengals because I'm all in on Joe Burrow. Exactly. But I tend to think if if I'm a fan and my team loses, I do prefer that they lose to the winner and not to the loser. There's, I understand the psychology of that. It's like, well, nobody was going to beat them, right? Because it was right, their right, destiny right. to win. I, under, I understand this is how we, you know, we, we all have to do whatever uh, we need to do to massage the situation so we can get through it. We can get through the grief. But uh, for me, I was like, no, I'm done with LA and I want, <laughs> I want Cincinnati to come and own them in their house. And I think part of it just has to do with the fact that you don't get that there's a ton of Rams fan loyalty. I'm sure I'm going to get hammered for this later, but it's just <laughs> a fact of what's happened in the stadium. I was there at the NFC championship I know what the percentage of 49ers fans was. I I know they bring crowd noise into that stadium. Um, And also, if they were their fans, they're not very smart about, you know, when to be quiet because they still got delay games and things of that nature um, when when they had the ball on offense. So I was entirely rooting for Cincinnati. However, I will say this. I saw a tweet today and I thought this actually really sums up my feelings Never wanted the Rams to win um, because I'm from Northern California and, you know, long history, like knowing the Rams before they were St. Louis and then back again in L.A. Uh, But I really do respect uh, certain players on that team incredibly, like Aaron Donald, like Cooper Cup uh, and Matthew Stafford, who clearly made a a life decision to come to L.A. and then Mm -hmm. had a lot of pressure on him as a result to deliver. And so I could still be happy for certain players, even though I was disappointed that it wasn't the Niners there with the trophy. Well, I appreciate that. And I think that's very big of you. Um, And I was happy for him. I was happy for Odell Beckham Jr. I was very happy for Aaron Donald. Um, It's funny for me because I'm from LA and I happen to have grown up as a 49ers fan, but I'm a huge Dodgers fan, um, which is all... Say thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, You know, my love of the Dodgers is always a thing for my followers. 
Um, yes. But I think I don't have it's the a same small problem. I'm willing to overlook. <laughs> and most people are, though. Some people are not, and some people are really not nice about it. Someone yesterday, I tweeted like, you know, the Rams got their Hollywood end- ending. Congrats to LA. And someone responded like something to the effect of like F you and F the Dodgers. And I was like, this feels <laughs> really excessive. It's, uh, well, yeah, it's a little unnecessary, but <laughs> it's a um, little unnecessary. Like it is a football game. That the person sort of apropos though, right? Like where things can be scripted in Hollywood the way they're never really supposed to happen. You get the magical right. ending of like Oh, and all the stars came to the team and then they had the, it was at their home stadium and magically they won. And you're like, yeah, in Hollywood. Um, right. Well, that's and that's, about right. that's yeah. about right in Hollywood. All right. Before we go any further, we're going to take a very quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Football may be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. Bet online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile devices to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. And it's not just basketball. Bet online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage. It's the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, so they got their Hollywood ending. Everybody wins. Well, not everybody, but the Rams. The Rams win. Uh, it cut. You know, interestingly, with the Bengals, it essentially came down to the Achilles heel of that offensive line. Uh, Joe Burrow had like barely been sacked and then he got sacked 117 times in the second half. And I'm going to go ahead and say that that number may not be exactly accurate, (laughs) but it did feel like for a while there, every time he went back down, he went and that, that that's what it came down to essentially on the final play, that fourth down. Uh, so I think that's something the Bengals might want to have to look at next year. Yeah, I think I remember the NFL draft last year, and I really was hoping the Bengals would draft Penny Sewell, and mm-hmm. they end up going with Jamar Chase. And it's certainly hard to knock that decision after you look right. back at the year, because yes, while there were some uh, offensive line problems that remained, uh, the connection between Burrow and Chase and what they delivered, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a, an historic partnership. You know, this was just mm-hmm. the beginning, and. So it's hard to argue with it, but it did expose the holes that they have up front and that they're going to need him. I remember, you know, um, as, as many people know, I'm a physical therapist. And so I actually went to Bengals camp last year and talked with Joe Burrow. And because I track players, especially when they're coming back from major injuries, see how they're doing, um, knowing the injury that Burrow had, he had torn his ACL, MCL, part of his PCL, his meniscus. And it was a contact hit when the pocket collapsed. So mm-hmm. as a PT, I wanted to see him better protected this year. When you're coming off an injury like that, it's hard enough to get the physical back. But the mental aspect of uh, not being fearful, um, just because you see that injury happening all over again in your mind, mm-hmm. um, having to get over that. And I thought he deserves to be better protected now They're, if they really want him to succeed what endeared me to Joe Burrow so much is that he saw when camp started, if you go back and look what was being written 
<clears throat> by Bengals uh, beat writers and sort of was the talk of talk, sports talk radio when camp opened. It was that Burrow didn't look great. Um, mm-hmm. People thought he felt rushed. He didn't look confident. And I'm thinking, right, like this is to be expected coming off of this injury. But what was amazing was what he did. And he was the one who went to his coaches. He asked for extra practice. He had some of the coaches working in on sets where they would simulate pass rushes to force him to get over that fear. I mean, he just desensitized himself. It's actually a very real strategy. And Mm -hmm. he did it on his own to make sure that by the time the real football rolled around, because you may recall, they didn't want to play him at all in the preseason, which I thought was a mistake. I wanted him out there. And I I was really glad to see that they let him dress that one time. And even though it was like (laughs) one series, like three and out, and he didn't do anything. But it made him go through the routine of putting the uniform on and getting out there. All of that matters. And so Mm -hmm. what happened was he hit the ground running, quite literally, and then got better as the season went on. His confidence grew. He's a kid who will ask for what he needs. I I should call him a young man, not a kid. Um, (laughs) But, I mean, he's, he's very clear on what he needs or what he sees and what he will do. And he adjusted you know, he knew he had to be quicker. And and I think you saw it in the Super Bowl. I mean, he was so good at getting the ball out quickly early mm-hmm. on in the game because he knew, you know, this was the strategy. He knew the, the Rams were going to bring it to him. And I, I just have so much respect for what he could do as such a young player and the maturity as a player to be able to know what he needed um, to get the assistance that he needed to kind of get over the injury in a hurry. And then to be the calm leader of the team, despite, you know, the way his rookie season ended with that massive injury. And then I think you saw it last night. We we don't know that he's out of the woods as far as injury on his opposite knee when he no, got injured late in last night's game, you know? Yeah, no, we definitely don't. And I think that's something that we'll obviously have to keep a close eye on. Uh, because that did look, it did not look good when it happened. Uh, he did go back into the game. He seemed to be able to, I don't know if this is, this is probably the most terrible term, but he did somewhat seem to shake it off. I do think at that point of the game, nothing was keeping him out of it. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, unless he had something broken where he couldn't put weight. I mean, it was unbelievable that he came back. I I think, you know, that, that all factors into the equation. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely have concern. It's funny. My phone blows up when something like that happens. And so people are like wondering, you know, was it ACL or what? And I, I didn't, I didn't think so. But again, it, we're surprised these days. People see players walk off and they're like, oh, well, they've got to be okay. Cause they walked off. It used to be, we said one of the defining signs of ACL was that you couldn't walk off under your own power. And mm-hmm players are different now and they're stronger and and there's a a lot of ways that your body can cover for an injury like that. Um, So yeah, I assume nothing and we'll, we'll find out more later, but he definitely showed us, you know, everything that he is like the legend of Joe Burrow is only going to get bigger. I think as his career moves forward. Absolutely. And this will not be the last time we see him in this, in in the Super Bowl, And I'm sure we will see him winning a Super Bowl or two in his career, maybe more. We shall see, but I agree with you. The legend of Joe Burrow continues. Uh, Another injury that happened in the game, of course, was Odell Beckham Jr., a non-contact injury. So that 
definitely did not look good. I imagine your blow, your phone really blew up on that one as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, you're seeing early reports now a day later that the belief is that he retours ACL. That was the same knee. So Odell Beckham Jr. kind of quietly came back from his own ACL reconstruction mm-hmm. last year. And I think people forgot about that, you know, and the sort of the drama of what was going on in Cleveland overshadowed that he was there at the start of the season. He was essentially, um, or near the start of the season, uh, was was ready to go in fairly short order. And then, you know, there was, like, we saw the, what the drama was. I don't need to rehash it. But anyway, he ends up in L.A. And all of a sudden, um, is a really good fit in that offense. You know, a little couple games of getting used to each other. But mm-hmm. he ended up being a, a savior for that team, especially after Robert Woods ended up going down with his own ACL injury. And it was really sad because Odell has a has a rep, right? He's had mm-hmm. some serious injuries in his career. And I almost hate it for those players more because you think, I see the injury, you feel badly for the injury. And then my second thought is, here comes the chatter. You know, right. I can't stay healthy. Whatever it is, it's it's unfair, but it mm-hmm. but it happens. And you really hate to see um where you think they've re-injured uh, the the same limb, you know, or suffered mm-hmm. the same injury that they had previously. And, uh, you know, the hints, people are getting more savvy, um, you know, lay people as well at, at detecting these things. And if you saw it when it happened, his foot definitely caught in the turf. There was that little, you know, just that split second of hesitation. And uh, you see the buckling of his knee. And, and most commonly, we see the knee sort of bend in. It's a deceleration rotation injury, but sometimes just straight straight plane deceleration, there's enough of a shear force there that can be enough to um, cause the injury. And certainly, you know, secondary ACLs are, are tougher to come back from. That's just a fact. And it's not to say he can't. Um, Thomas Davis, when he was with the Panthers, I mean, he had three ACL oh, yeah, reconstructions. I forgot and- about that came back um, to play the Super Bowl himself. So uh, it, it's certainly been done, but um, the the type of playmaker that he is, so dynamic, so acrobatic even, that's what you worry about is, is always can a guy return to what they were before. And so I was thrilled for him that he was able to get a Super Bowl ring, and he certainly made an impression in the first half. It's not like he didn't contribute to the fact that the Rams won. 100%. And he was a huge part of the offense. As you brought up with the Robert Woods injury, it turned out to be fortuitous that they signed him. And um, it was that was hard to watch. I'm glad he got the ring. He was so emotional after. Uh, and I think I think un- unfairly criticized at times in his career, maybe sometimes fairly, but also sometimes unfairly criticized. And this brings up two points. One, why is there turf anymore? <laughs> It's really interesting. Did you see all the players tweeting yesterday? Uh-huh, including Debo Samuel. And Nick Bosa mm-hmm. um, retweeting. And I don't know, you know, there must have, the, clearly there was some like campaign that was orchestrated before the game and then they could, uh, they, they all were set to go. But uh, it's a long conversation. I know I can tell you from um, talking to folks who are the NFL health and safety group which is made up of, uh, you know, NFL team physicians and athletic trainers and physical therapists. And then they're subdivided into different task force. And then they have partners from, you know, the league executive level that are 
part of these committees as well. And then they do crossover work with like competition committee representatives, et cetera. So uh, you'll see health and safety data posted every year. And in fact, the, there was just a call the week, Monday of the Super Bowl week uh, that I was on where they released the injury data from the 2021 season. And, um, you know, everybody acknowledges that there seems to be a difference. And you have to have a few years of data before you can comfortably say, okay, this is a trend. But if you talk mm-hmm. to anyone who's involved in, in, in the NFL health and safety, and they know there's an issue with turf. Now, what's interesting to me is that, you know, not all turf is identical. Uh, okay. It all has to meet a certain criteria. That criteria is checked uh, pre-game by both representatives of the NFL and the NFLPA to make sure the field conditions are met before a game can take place. But w- they're trying to study uh, what happens when shoes engage with different field surfaces. So they've been looking at things like uh, which type of cleats, because as you know, players have different cleats depending on mm-hmm. what surface they're playing on. But even there, um, are there issues with different brands of shoe that don't seem to do as well with different field surfaces. It has to do with when the shoes grab that surface. It's a balance between stickiness, if you will, for the mm-hmm. player to not feel like they're sliding on the surface and release point so that the turf doesn't grab and lock their shoe in when they're trying to make these quick cuts and pivots and sharp movements, which is where a lot of these injuries happen. So, uh, the non-contact ones, of course, that is even the bigger concern because that seems to be where this is more of a topic. And I think um, it used to be that you know people welcomed the turf because they're comparing it to the old AstroTurf. If you think about mm-hmm. Veterans Stadium in Philly in the old days, um, where it was like a carpet. You know, you know what I'm talking about when you yep. if people used to put it on like their their outdoor patios. You know, it's yes. Just, thin layer. I mean, it really is like cement underneath. These are fantastic composites that are much more lifelike with dirt and, uh, you know, synthetic fill and et cetera, made to mimic grass. But by the same token, they, they, they don't completely mimic grass. And I will tell you this, there are a couple of team doctors I've spoken with who swear by their grass stadiums and uh, love that they have a home surface that is grass. And I think more and more players are getting to that point too. Well, it'll be interesting to see how this develops over the next several years because it has been a pretty big topic. And then when something like that happens, of course, on the biggest stage in the biggest game, not to be super dramatic, but <laughs> it is really the biggest stage in the biggest game. Oh, for sure. You know, obviously the conversation continues. Um, quickly, before we head to some Niner stuff, and this may actually lead us into Niner stuff, you know, you had said earlier about Odell Beckham that, you know, he gets he gets a rep and there's the idea of players that can't stay healthy. That to me feels like an unfair narrative because it is football uh, and and it kind of makes it feel like there's something the player could do differently, which maybe in some cases there are, but how much is there to that really? Uh, it's such, I feel like I just embark on this conversation every year. There, there's no clear answers really. Mm-hmm. Um, largely, I think it's an unfair narrative. That being mm-hmm. said, you know, it's like anything. You have players who will work their tail off, right? They 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 approach if they have to rehab from something, they approach it like they should. It's part of their mm-hmm. job. I mean, when you're a professional athlete, then and you get hurt, then that is 
part of the job description is getting yourself back in shape, you know, really hitting Mm -hmm. it a hundred percent, but it's also not their area of expertise. So they really depend on the people around them. Who's advising them, who's rehabbing them, who's taking them through sort of the post rehab return to performance. But, you know, we talk about return to play, return to play is really a clearance term. If you think about it, Uh, Mm -hmm. when if, if players had surgery, and the operating physician, you know, they met the criteria that would clear them to play without restrictions. In other words, there's nothing they're going to hold them back from. But that doesn't mean that they're at their performance level they were at before the injury. And so there's this window of time between return to play clearance and return to performance that they need to continue to be working really diligently to get to that pre-injury level. And that's where I think there is a drop-off for some guys. Mm -hmm. You know, rehab is long. It's mostly very boring. Um, It's hard. You have a lot of bad days mixed in with the occasional good ones. And there are different points where guys hit highs and lows depending on the length of their rehab. And sometimes they're just itching to get back so badly. And if the people advising them fall into the trap of like, yeah, yeah, we just want to get you back and they can have them doing too much too soon. I mean, you really have to be when you're in that role um, of, of, of being the person rehabilitating slash training that athlete, you have to be able to be the check rein and say, you're not ready for this yet. You know, mm-hmm. you're good, but you're not ready. And so I think my personal opinion, and I, I don't have hard data because it's really hard to capture, right? A lot mm-hmm. of players aren't, you can't go and follow them around and get all this. You can right. follow some, but it's not like we have good data on this. But I think you're going to start seeing people really look at this phase a lot more because they think this is where a lot of the problems occur. And if a player goes back too soon and they're really not 100%, they end up with either re-injury or oftentimes it's something else. They have a secondary Mm -hmm. injury. You know, I think a lot of these lower extremity strains that we see players get uh, post-op, they they have one thing that was operated on, then they end up with a hamstring injury on the other side. Um, These are imbalances because the body is still compensating in some ways for a prior injury. And it's true, you know, once you have an injury, you are going to be slightly more prone to something else. I mean, your, your body, it's not like you have replacement parts. You, it's still the same body. <laughs> you know, right. The more mm-hmm. toll it takes, the harder it is. But, uh, you know, and some people have bad collagen. We used to talk about that when I was working and treating patients, some people's, the, the, your basic tissue composition, it's not identical one person to the other. And some people, are, you can see this if you, you know how some people are really loose, like loosey goosey, floppy, sloppy joints, right. right? And other people are really stiff and tight. And you think, oh, they're stiff. That's a disadvantage. But in some cases, it means they're more stable, far less likely to get injured. So mm-hmm. um, not all of it is in a player's control. In fact, most of it isn't. There's a lot of luck involved. Um, but there are some people who, uh, who who don't hold up their end of the deal and really working to 150%, but I would say that's on the that's on the small end. And and we should we should operate from a position of not creating that narrative around an athlete or at least not casting a blame around it. It's certainly fair to observe that a player has not been available for an entire season, the majority of his or her career, if if that's the observation in a sport, that's just a fact. But uh, it's the negative connotation that goes with it that somehow it's all that athlete's fault. I don't think that's fair. 
I would agree with you. I would agree. Maybe we can maybe we can right now we can start stopping that narrative. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit of Niners, but first we're gonna take a quick break from our sponsor. What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you are online. And with all of the threats that you face today on the internet, it is more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you could use NordVPN on all your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either, and plans started under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe. That's B-L-E-A-V to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. All right, Stefania, let's talk some 49ers. Just coming off an injury conversation that we were just having, having. Of course, the 49ers last year traded up to get Trey Lance, uh, largely because of Jimmy Garoppolo's injury history. He often was not available, uh, as as you just talked about. And, of course, there were other issues as well. But I bring all that up to say because, you know, most likely, I would say 99.9% chance Jimmy Garoppolo will be traded sometime sooner rather than later, probably. Uh, They have Trey Lance starting next year. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, their NFC West rivals are now the Super Bowl champions. So this becomes a very, I think, different offseason for San Francisco than it might have otherwise. And I don't want to make too big a deal about the Rams being Super Bowl champions, but they are Super Bowl champions. And it's kind of a big deal when that happens in your division, when it's the hardest division in football and against a team that up until a few weeks ago, you pretty much owned. So as you look at San Francisco Going into the season, what do you see as the biggest priorities for them? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, yeah, like, it's it's hard to know because, I mean, I, it's, a, it's a cop-out answer, but it's hard to know without really knowing sort of what the infrastructure is going to be. And, it, and, and I think it's also interesting because our personnel in the coaching realm is changing yes. as well. You know, mm-hmm. you've, you've lost Mike McDaniel to the Dolphins. Robert Sala, obviously they had, uh, you know, they had somebody who could step in nicely in defense. Not only did they not miss a step, they were really fantastic at various points throughout the season, um, especially in the latter half. But, uh, you know, I've always, I feel like the Niners secondary, especially in their, um, you know, DB department, Really, that's always an area of concern. And it's not to say there aren't great athletes there, but do you remember the Colts game? I sure do. (laughs) Do you remember (laughs) what the tactic was for the Colts game? And it worked. And and that's bad if that's the the rep is that, you know, just throw the ball up and allow the penalties to give you the yardage you need to go down the field. And Um, I will say they – that did get better. It did get better. We saw that did definitely improve. Uh, we saw Ambry Thomas come in yep. and show a lot of signs and sparks of the potential for greatness. Everybody who listens to this podcast, I'm sure, has 
sick of me talking about Ambry Thomas, but he went to Michigan. So therefore he becomes like my favorite and there's just nothing <laughs> I can do about that. It's just, it's just the law. It's the just the law of averages here. Uh, but in all reality, he really did come in and I think show what they were hoping for when they drafted him. And Kyle Shanahan has said more than once, his biggest surprise of the season was Ambry Thomas and what he was able to do from where he started. So there was potential there, but what we saw in the NFC championship game, as much as they improved at the corner position, what the NFC championship game really exposed that they still really need a shutdown corner. And maybe every Thomas does end up being that person, but I, I feel like we have this conversation every off season, but I think there's gotta be investments somewhere back there in a true shutdown. I hate to use this word, but I'm going to do it elite corner. Uh, maybe Ambry becomes that, but right now they don't have it. Right. And I think, Whenever they've had somebody who's a, a leader in that role, it has helped the defense. And they, it, you look at the teams. I mean, even though Jalen Ramsey didn't have his best game last night, um, Jalen Ramsey's Jalen Ramsey, right? Right. And 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 people change their game plans accordingly or try to. You know, he's interesting in that he's certainly moving around a lot more. A lot mm-hmm. of the players in the league stay in one place. They shadow someone and, and it changes the game. And right. I think, um, you know, the Bengals are hard because they've got, they're a team who's really got multiple weapons. So, uh, you know, a shutdown corner on Jamar Chase. <laughs> I don't even know that there is such a thing. Yeah, um, I don't know, if that, but fair. But for the, the Bengals, sake of argument, for the sake of the conversation. For the sake of argument, but the Bengals can be you in multiple ways. But a lot of teams really have like that one elite deep threat. And that's who you're trying to protect. You're trying to protect against the big plays. And I feel like that's where we struggle, right? And then if the mm-hmm. big plays happen, then it's tough. Then you're playing from behind. Then you're playing out of the rhythm of what the 49ers like to do on offense. Because when when were we most successful? We, you know, we, because I'm part of the team. Um, I I want to say I thought your play this year was fantastic. I just want you to know that. <laughs> I did a really good job cheering from the East Coast. But, you know, the... Because of the, when when the when the offense had the ball and controlled the tempo and really you know the time of possession what was that week I can't remember what week it was where Washington the Washington football team now the Commanders had set like the they had established like the longest time of possession and for first uh, series or first drive something. I, it was some, some, something like that that happened on a Sunday and the 49ers played on Monday and they uh-huh. beat it. Or- oh, yeah, because the, 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 it was against the Rams. It was the Monday night game ah, against the Rams. Yes, that's right. It was against the Rams. It's funny uh-huh. how my mind just automatically went there. But <laughs> that's but that's when the 49ers look their best, right? And that mm-hmm. that is, does all st- sorts of things. Uh, that time of possession uh, keeps the opponent off the field. It also allows the defense to re- recover you know some of the times that our defense broke down I felt like it was just because they were on the field too much and oh yeah the field and then you have to go right back out there um a couple drives in a row that's not necessarily successful either so to me they've got such a good with with Fred Warner the middle of the field is so well taken care of obviously up front they're spectacular it really leaves the back end of the defense where I think they need the most help I Cannot disagree with that. Uh, I, like I said, I think it is a conversation we have every offseason when I'm on a podcast, the radio, anything talking about the 49ers needs, corner, what secondary, do, what always. Do you, what do you think? I mean, because on the, I, I think on the offensive side of the ball, what's interesting is 
we also don't really have a deep threat, right? So much of the game is predicated on yards after the catch, which certainly the 49ers skill players excel at, but is there, who is the deep threat wide receiver and elite deep wide receiver? We could use that too. I think so. And I, that brings me to the next thing I wanted to talk about before I let you go about your day. And that is uh, the 49ers will have a new quarterback next year, uh, a young quarterback. There's been a lot of talk this week about, is he ready? The inexperience. I, you know, I think at the end of the day, he's going to be the starter next year. Uh, and I think we saw a huge jump. There's a point to me bringing this to the wide receivers. So just give me a beat. Um, so there's a, you know, I think we saw such a huge jump in him from his first start to his second start. You know, I think an entire off season with the first team, knowing he's a starter, all of the things will put him in a much better position. Will there be growing pains? Probably. But I say all that to say there's now a quarterback, and this is no disrespect to Jimmy Garoppolo, because I think everybody who listens to this podcast knows how much respect I have for Jimmy. I do believe he is a great quarterback. And so this is no disrespect to him at all. But Trey Lance is a very different quarterback. And the deep threat now becomes something that they can do maybe in a way they couldn't in the past. So I'm just saying that. So with that in mind, I agree with you that they could use someone in that position. I just wonder if there are other things um, that become more important, kind of like the offensive line. We talked about that with Cincinnati. Uh, Lakin Tomlinson is a free agent. Alex Mack is, mm-hmm. you know, said at the end of the season, he's going to kind of decide what he wants to do going forward. Mike McGlinchey will be coming back from that injury. Of course they have Trent Williams, but I think that offensive line being as good as it can be uh, in front of Trey Lance will be in a second year, but he's essentially a rookie quarterback right? because he didn't have, you know, so much time. He hasn't played that much. I think that becomes very important as well. I, I agree with you hundred percent. And, and that's one area where I, you know, I, I'll be interested to see what, I'll be interested to see what the 49ers target in the draft. I, I have to admit that I have to brush up on, on where we are in terms of picks that we have and what we've given away. And <laughs> so I don't know where, where they're starting. And I don't know if there's any moves to be made in the offseason. You know, it'll be interesting to see when, if you assume that their plan is to trade Jimmy Garoppolo, then mm-hmm. what are they looking to obtain in return? And how does that stack up? Because that could certainly um, dictate and you would expect it to dictate what they might do at draft time. But, Absolutely. you know, it's hard to know because I, are the 49ers going to wait and see what happens? We have a couple of quarterbacks. We don't really know, like, what's Aaron Rodgers going to do? Like, it, the moving pieces, you go, well, where's this person go? And what does that then do to uh, folks who become available uh, right. or, or players who are looking potentially for new homes? And uh, with all the coach shuffling, I mean, I can't even keep track because – there's so many head coaches that have moved. And what happens with that is all the all the coordinator switches that, you know, or they take various personnel members from their previous location with them, like we were just talking about Mike McDaniel doing. So mm-hmm. all of that, I think, trickles down to ultimately who you want to have on your team and who ends up being a good fit. I think that that's very true. And the coaching part of it can't be discounted because – there's a reason there are coaches. <laughs> you can have a lot of talent, but there are reasons there are coaches. I think, you know, I think from at wide receiver with the 49ers, Brandon Ayuk is a really good example of that this year with yeah. the way that things started with him and 
how he was able to turn around. And a lot of that is on is speaks to Brandon and the person that he is. And a lot of that speaks to the coaching staff and how they were able to work with him and, and how they were able to kind of deal with him and get him in such a good place mentally and physically. Do you think physically. Wes Walker had much to do with that? I think Wes Walker has been pretty important for, for the wide receivers as a whole. So I would imagine. So I think it sounds like basically from what they've said that Kyle Shanahan, that Kyle and Brandon really kind of had their come to Jesus moment. Brandon, I, you said that, you know, it's kind of after that, I think it was after the second Arizona game or before the bye or after the bye, there was like a real moment between them. But, you know, I give Shanahan credit because he really got criticized in those first several oh, yeah. weeks. I might for, have been one of them. <laughs> which is, you know, and, and I think, you know, that's fair. And I, I give Shanahan credit anyways, because I do think he gets criticized in a lot of things and he sticks to it. And he does seem to, for the most part, you know, be right when it comes to those kind of personnel situations. But he really got criticized and whatever Brandon Ayuk did probably wasn't that big a deal. Well, that's what Twitter said because, you know, Twitter was there in the meetings. Of course. But whatever it was probably um, wasn't know. that big a deal, et cetera, et cetera. And it it worked. And we saw Brandon Ayuk really come into his own and he'll be a better player for it forever. But I would imagine Wes Walker did because I think Wes Walker has had a huge uh, effect on all of them, as has Mike McDaniel. I mean, you look at Jawan Jennings. You know, here's a guy who was – drafted late, who got hurt, who got cut, who ended up in the practice squad, like all these things. And like, look at the season he ended up having when he came in mm-hmm. with from, you know, when he had an opportunity, when Mohamed Sanu got hurt, you know, you see what, what he was able to do. And so I do think the coaching staff does deserve a fair amount of credit for those wide receivers. And that is very much right. on Wells Walker. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, I think the guys now that's been established, but what happens going forward. Exactly. Because, and that, that was my point with that is we know McDaniel and Welker are gone. So, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. what what's going to happen there and <clears throat> who does Shanahan have on his speed dial? Um, or, you know, is, is it happening internally or are there um, places where people might be getting promotions or is he looking to some outside help? Is it just all of that? I, I think it matters a lot. We think a lot about what when you look at the last year and you say, okay, here's where the personnel needs some holes plugged. Um, but, and I, if, as Shanahan says, the head coach, it's not like I think their offense is going to change a ton. I, he, he is the visionary for that offense, but it does matter who you have in position beneath you to help execute that, you know? Absolutely. Cause he can't part of being a head coach is you have to be able to delegate. You can't, do everything. And he does need to have people that can handle that, especially, and who knows if this will happen, but if they do end up trying to go after a deep thread ride receiver, then you bring someone else into that room and chemistry's change and there's personalities and all of the things. And I think that is another place where coaching makes a really big difference. Who's leading that room. Right. And it'll be a, it'll be into, I just, I, I will say this. I think the NFC West proved itself. I get frustrated with all the lack of primetime games for NFC West. Uh-huh. <laughs> sort of, you know, people ignore them, but look how, look who was the, you know, in, in, in two of the four teams playing till the end were NFC West. I mean, this is, uh, this is a tough division with a lot of diverse talent and interesting offenses um, mm-hmm. by, you know, 
mostly young crafty coaches <laughs> one's yep. a little older and you know their team didn't their team is uh, in sort of a rebuilding phase um but I think that division presents a lot more challenge for it, it's hard for me to see the divisions get equally weighed let's let's put it that way when when you can see the level of competition in the NFC West just by watching a lot of the matchups during the season and um, as much as I like to give the Rams a hard time, there were some things that that broke our way that that made the 49ers able to to beat them as many times as they had where it could have gone either way. And then if you saw mm-hmm. just look at the Cardinals, where they started and where they ended up like yep. that division is very interesting to me and stays interesting, although unless you believe the rumors that Sean McVay could leave the Rams. <laughs> I that I can't quite. I just can't believe it. I, I will tell, of course, which is like my new favorite phrase. Can you imagine it's being not even a new phrase. Years old and being like, okay, I've accomplished, like, I've reached the top of the mountain here in this job. So I'm just going to go kick it on TV for a while. <laughs> I just, I just can't imagine it. But you know what I mean? But then there's something to be said for going out on top Amen. the way you want to and being like, this has been know, awesome. Here I am at this age still working. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but like, could you, but I, I, I'm very curious to see there. And there are a lot of rumors going on in the NFC West that we'll see what next year brings, but I still believe this is the hardest division in football and going back to our corner discussion. That's why I think that's a place the four hours really, really have to invest because you look at the NFC West and you have Cooper cup, you have Robert Woods coming back. You have Deandre Hopkins, you have DK Metcalf, you have Tyler Lockett. You, you might have Odell Beckham Jr. back. Like, this is not an easy uh, division at the receiver position. So that is why it seems to me that that has to be a, uh, a top area. But that being said, have this, like I've said, have, I feel like we actually have the wide receiver and corner conversation every year. They need yes. a deep threat wide receiver. They need a shutdown quarter and somehow they just keep moving forward and making do, but will be interesting to see what 2022 brings. But right now, Stefania, everyone is O and O. The Jaguars are on the clock, and we're on to 2022. Oh, the Jaguars. Let's the Jaguars. see what happens so we can do. there. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a podcast in itself. <laughs> but for today, I'm going to let you go, and thank you so much for coming on. This was a lot of fun. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And one more thing, if I might, before of I course, leave. Of course, please. Because uh, when you were talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I really, he's another one where I think the narrative is tired. You know, yes. like it's a lazy narrative. People blame losses on him. Uh, never give him credits for the wins, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, always quick to blame the losses. And just from the injury standpoint alone, I would like people to imagine having a torn ligament in your thumb whereby mm-hmm. your thumb is completely unstable. And imagine if you tried to grip a golf club, you know, for all the average guys out there, right. gri- grip a golf club or just toss a ball in the yard. And most of you couldn't do it with that injury. And this guy was throwing footballs and they were mostly accurate. You know, there were yeah. a few that sailed on him. There were times, I know there were times where he aggravated his thumb and then it was that much harder to throw. I mean, that is a really tough injury. And it may or may not require surgery, depending on some of the specifics around the injury, but it's going to require time off either way to let it fully heal. And I just, people just seem to forget that that was going on. Like you'd hear them talking about other players and saying, oh, you know, well, he's dealing with this injury. I thought, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo has a thumb injury, which is problematic for a quarterback. And yet the reason you are forgetting it is because he's playing well enough 
that you forget that he's dealing with that injury. And, and, and he just, you know, willed himself back from some tough, I mean, he got beat up a few times, got hit hard. He had the Mm -hmm. shoulder issue at the end. And, uh, you know, he, he knew he had to fight that narrative as well of being injury prone and missing time with injury. That was out there. It was out there when they went to draft another quarterback. And so, I, I just give him a lot of credit, and I think it's all reflected in how much the players uh, love and respect him, and you could really feel that coming from the locker room. And to me, that was one of my favorite things about the season and how it ended, even at the end of that you know, painful loss to the Rams. Everyone in that room rallied around him, and he was just first class, always spoke to the media, never made excuses for himself, and I just don't think that gets enough credit. I know you give him credit for that, but I just wanted to add my two cents to that before we left. I'm really, really glad. I wish him well wherever he ends up. I'm really, really glad that you did because I do feel like I, I say it a lot and it sounds like a broken record, but I, I am glad someone else is saying it too. And I think he's been so unfairly criticized and you can't, you can't blame him for the losses and not give him the credit for the wins. And it's like really incredible. And and there's like kind of jokes made about it, but it's not untrue that like something can happen on defense and Twitter is like all a buzz. Oh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Like how on earth was that Jimmy Garoppolo's fault? How is that? You know, uh, know, and there, and there's jokes about it, but the reason the joke is, is because it does happen. And it, and I think he deserves so much credit and you are a hundred percent. You hit on the head, the way his teammates love and revere him. And I also think in terms of Trey Lance, and next year, that can't be discounted. I'm not saying they won't rally around Trey. I'm not saying they don't love Trey, all of that. But that's going to be a difficult part to fill as well because Jimmy Garoppolo was their leader, and he mm-hmm. was the guy everybody looked to, and now that goes to Trey Lance, and that's not an easy thing to just start right. no matter how much you It doesn't get handed to you. And, no. and I, I, w- I wish Trey Lance success as well. Like you would never want there to be – you know, a hangover there in between. And I think um, you can also look to Jimmy to credit him there that he was good to Trey Lance and and supported him and didn't create animosity in the locker room. So I think that transition will be easier as a result of that. And it's not to say that Jimmy was a perfect quarterback. I mean, we talked about the the deep ball and that certainly not his strength. And there are times where he had some questionable decisions, but again, that, that's like every quarterback. Matthew Stafford had questionable decisions. Even last yes, night, he, did. he had one. Yes, he did. Uh, he, had, he had a couple. In an inter- interception, which we saw the, in the NFC Championship, same thing. But it's quickly forgiven because he's got this big arm and he can right. make these incredible throws. And And I think Matthew Stafford's a good quarterback. And I, I thought the narrative on him was as, as a loser, you know, in Detroit that he couldn't win the big games. I thought that was unfair. I, I just think that um, I prefer more well-rounded conversations. And it's just hard when you hear this constant critique of Jimmy Garoppolo without acknowledging the strengths that he brings to the table that I think were often overlooked. I could not agree more. I could absolutely not agree more. And with that, Stefania, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, if you guys like what you heard, and I know that you did, please make sure to leave us a five-star review and to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. And we are brought to you today by Bet Online. Uh, Stefania, I'd like you to come on and talk Niners with me anytime. Oh, yeah, you don't. You know, I'll come talk Niners anytime with you, Tracy. 
Fantastic. So you guys, that's something to look forward to over the next coming months, years, as long as the 49ers exist. Uh, with that, we will say goodbye. Happy end of the season to all. And like I said, everyone's O and O now. Talk to you later. Bye all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.